Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Look. Welcome, everyone, to Rock M Nation Podcast. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We are on Season 6, Episode 10, and we are here to talk all about your Missouri Tigers and their basketball program. I am your host, Sam Snelling. With me, as always, Indiana Plains, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm well, um, and I just want to take a moment off the top of the pod to give a shout-out to George Flybury, um, King of Itabina. Former king of uh of a Pine Bluff, Arkansas, uh the Smack, the Swacks, Dean of Coaches, for a hell of a game plan the other night. Um, did the rewatch today, and a more talented roster could have made things particularly uh fun, and by fun I mean terrifying on Sunday night. But just wanted to say that off the top. Also, George Flybury, good dude, has always been a good dude. War made a good dude. Yeah, so you uh, probably had some levels of coverage uh, for a lot of years. He was uh, at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, you know, the Southwestern Athletic Conference is one of those conferences where, you know, God bless the the, the folks who take those jobs. You got to love what you do. It's it's a, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough night in and night out uh, for the you know, first third of the season, you're basically just trying to keep morale up because a lot of it in, entails, you know, getting your brains beat in. Or checks. And even a team like uh, Mississippi Valley State, like, he takes over that program, and they hadn't won, like, a Division One game, like, a I think non-conference Division One game uh, in, like, three years or something like that. Yeah. 
um maybe maybe longer and and so they they finally got one <laughs> so Mississippi Valley State is a team that Missouri just beat by 21 points uh they beat North Alabama uh in a a home non-conference game um so good for them uh, I didn't really know that North Alabama was a division 1 team but they are uh, 324th in Kempom in the ASUN conference coached by Tony Pujol Feel like I know that name for some reason. I don't. Don't I, I'll confess, my knowledge of the ace on coaching ranks uh, falls apart yeah, a little bit. I really and I yeah I don't even like I don't mean that because like I figure he uh you know of any relation to um, St. Louis's favorite son Albert, uh, but I, yeah I feel like I I know Tony Pujol is a first class human being and coach. Frank Martin, University of South Carolina. Well, they had a good. Um, they had a coach a couple of years ago, Lenny Acuff, who was sort of known for running, like, the modern version of the Princeton offense. And Lenny Acuff is now at Lipscomb because Lipscomb needs to have really, really, really great offensive basketball minds leading that program. But uh, Lenny Acuff. Had, well, yeah. So we're getting like you know, obviously this is what we do. We start talking hoops. Uh, really sidetracked. North Alabama back to Mississippi Valley State. Uh, Mississippi Valley State. It, it's just like they they've gotten their brains absolutely beat in for a lot of years. Um, three hundred fifty fifth in Kempom last year. Three fifty seventh year before that. Three fifty first year before that. Uh, three fifty. Three forty eight. Three forty four. Three forty one. Three forty eight. 347, 339. Sean Woods had them at 237 in 2012 was the last time they cracked the top 300. Uh, I believe Sean Woods turned that season into Moorhead State. At Moorhead State, and then he got himself in some trouble. Yeah. (laughs) The the SWAC, though, has, has, they are tired and fed up and pissed off of being sent to Dayton every year. They've, They've taken that rage out on the Pac-12 so far. I think they've beaten Arizona State. Grambling beat Colorado. Southern has beaten Cal. Arizona State beat, um, or Texas Southern beat Arizona State. Then Alcorn State decided that the AAC also deserves some hate and beat uh, Wichita State. So the SWAC has has risen up. And yeah, Alcorn State looks like a solid squad. Um. Like they gave Ole Miss uh, a lot of fits, and and that this I believe that was their season opener. Yeah, Johnny Jones has um, Texas Southern in a good spot, so they have four teams inside the top uh, three hundred, which seems like an outlier season for uh, for the SWAC. It's been a good start for that league, and and a deserved good start because those coaches, like we've said, are doing good work. And our segue is blown here, but this was that was supposed to be our <laughs> natural transition into. Missouri had to to work a little bit on Sunday night. And, you know, I think the tendency of us is, you know, as we watch live, even as objective as we try to be to sort of lay the blame a lot on Missouri or lay a lot of the, you know, sort of, you know, explanation at the feet uh, of, you know, an SEC squad. But when I went back and did the rewatch, it was just a really smart game plan by George Ivory and, they executed it really well, and you look at the shot chart, and you look at, you know, all the underlying numbers. You know that team did a great job for probably what twenty five minutes executing its game plan, and then Isaiah Mosley was Isaiah Mosley, and 
just made him crumple it. But I, I really thought, you know, Missouri could have done some things better, but I, I really think sometimes we need to give credit to teams when they nail the scout. And, and I thought that Mississippi Valley State did that on Sunday night. Yeah, and it was, I think, yeah, kind of said this in study hall. Like, I never really thought that, you know, the game was something or, you know, Missouri was going to lose the game. Um, you know, that was pretty much Mississippi Valley State providing their best punch. Uh, and it was a it was a solid punch, you know, but it's just they just don't have enough firepower offensively to yeah. be able to sus- to sustain over a long enough period. Um, you know, really like the likelihood, and that is what as I was watching like Kerry Collins, you know, drain shot after shot in, like the first ten minutes. I'm like he like he's gonna reach a point where like he his legs are gonna go, and like. He's going to start front front rimming. He's going to be forcing, and and he did that really through most of the like the the end of the first half. He started you know missing a lot more of his shots, uh, and then into the second half, uh, and then he picked up his fourth foul. Um, I think Mizzou had just hit a three, and they came down, and he he picked up his fourth foul, and they they took him out of the game, and that's really kind of where, uh, you know, Mizzou just basically blew the doors off. You know, Mosley, I, I think he hit, like, a couple threes, a couple, you know, twos, and it, it was just off the races after that. So, yeah. uh, it was always, I think it was always going to be a game where, you know, I, I think at worst, Missouri probably wins by 15. Um, you know, at best, they probably win by 30, 35. Um, and so, they kind of split the difference a little bit. Had an outlier shooting night from, you know, Miss, Mississippi Valley guard. It ends up being a 20, 21 point win. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that I would say is we had been kind of wondering when Isaiah Mosley would have his breakout. And this was the setting in which it happened. Um, it was, you know, not quite the conditions I thought it would be. I didn't think it would be him, you know, cracking apart a two, three zone, but the guy gets buckets. And, you know, I think this is the first real run where we've seen him really find the kind of rhythm that he gets in. And he would do this, you know, at, at at Missouri State. It was never, sometimes it wasn't always like a consistent, you know, scoring effort over 40 minutes. He would hit little jags where he'd go for eight, nine, ten points. On Sunday, it was 13 in, in about a five-minute stretch. So a little bit more pop there. But, you know, it was good to see that. You know, I think that it's been, and I pointed this out after the game, you know, it's not just that his minutes have been increasing. His touches have been steadily increasing. And, you know, his game, his per-game efficiency has been steadily creeping up. The turnovers last night hurt it. Five turnovers put a dent, you know, his point, in his points per possession tally, but his points per shot was still good. So I, I think the one thing we sort of thought was, okay, was he going to be a plug-and-play guy or he's going to come out of the gates fast? It's taken him a little bit of time to ramp up. It hasn't been exactly, I think, what a lot of fans or even us would have expected, but you kind of hope last night was sort of one of those moments where you go, all right, he's clicked in now, and this rotation itself you know, is starting to kind of show some lineups that are getting extended minutes. We're starting to see kind of what you know a semi-finished product looks like. So I think that was the, the one thing. It wasn't just that Mosley you know, entertained us with some scoring. It was coming in the broader context of he's played better over the last couple of games, the ro- the rotations seem to be tightening. Maybe we're starting to get a real sense for what 
a real structure of this rotation and this lineup's going to look like. So I thought that was sort of helpful to see it in that context too. So uh, last night, uh, you know, Gates really did kind of trim the rotation uh, throughout basically the entire game. They, he only played nine guys. Um, pretty much all season long, we've seen him get, you know, to 10 and even sometimes 11 in the, in the first half. Um, you know, but you can sort of see that, that, you know, cinch up a bit and left out. Um, the rotation was, uh, Caleb Brown, a guy who, you know, coaches, I think kind of talked up. I think you and I were both a little skeptical on (laughs) how long that experiment will last. I I just don't think like there's not a whole lot that Caleb at this point gives you that you can't get like elsewhere from, from other, uh, other guys, whether it's, you know, Trey Gamillion or Demoy Hodge or, or even, you know, Isaiah Mosley. And I think that's one of the things that I think you saw like last night, like Mosley played 18 minutes in, uh, in the second half and, you know, like w- one minute, <laughs> uh, at the, at the end of, end of the half and one minute at the beginning of the half and the rest, but he was, he was in the game for, for 18 minutes. And, and I think when you are, you know, like I think Dennis Gates understands that he he really kind of needs Mosley to sort of you know put this together, and uh, and I think that was sort of, and I, I feel like we kind of saw it against Edwardsville too. Like there was a, a period where he was giving kind of a long run, uh, longer run, even though it really wasn't working. Uh, he sort of stuck with it. Uh, I think I believe it was like with Kobe and Aiden, yeah, and and Mosley. Um, I sort of like lightly referred to it as like, you know, our most talented uh, lineup. And, you know, like, again, you know, like it didn't necessarily work again. I think that was against Edwardsville, but, uh, you know, it is one of those things like early in the season, you're trying to figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work. Uh, and I think one thing that we all know is like in order for Missouri to, to be the best version of who they can be, like they need Isaiah Mosley to, to kind of be that guy. Yeah. The question's going to be, I think at some point, where the trade-off gets to be with DeAndre Golston. Because they've taken Caleb's minutes down to practically zero, and that's how you get to 20 a game for Mosley. For Mosley. And really, that's kind of him operating mostly at the two-guard, at the combo spot, a little bit. But you're going to keep East there for some lineups. You're going to you know slide Hodge over there for some lineups. So you can't just kind of park him at the combo guard spot because that's where you cycle some other guys through. Now the two and three spots, you know, functionally in this offense kind of blur. You know, some possessions, one guy spacing, the next they might be that secondary ball, you know, that secondary ball handler. It really kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. So it's not, these aren't hard and fast roles. But, you know, DeAndre Golston's starting. And realistically, the top end for guys in this lineup so far has been 26 to 28 minutes. The way Mosley gets to that type of playing time is he starts either eating away at the you know more on the wing, but to do that you've got to you know pair back you know what Golston's going to do on the floor. That's going to be interesting to see because Golston's starting. You know there's doesn't seem to be any real murmurs or inklings that they're going to change that anytime soon. So does this become you know how do you get how do you make the math work? Because right now it's pretty easy. They they sub they sub Mosley in 
around the under 16 timeout and he sort of gets his runway and then they've been giving him longer stretches in the second half. But if you're going to get the minutes up and get the floor time up, they're going to have to start making some trade-offs somewhere else. And, you know, this is why we do, you know, multiple viewings and we try and really break down film. I think DeAndre Golston does a lot of things well. I think he's a physical presence on the ball defensively. I think that helps them in some ways in the right matchups. I do think there are times when he's a smart cutter. I think there are some times in transition where he's a physical rim driver, where he can get downhill through a little bit more traffic if teams get back. He's shown he can cut a little bit. But what's happened is I think there's just been way, way too many contested mid-range pull-ups. That's not his shot. That is Mosley's shot. Like if you're just doing, and I realize that people out there screaming, basketball's not played in Excel. I hear you. But if you watch Missouri last night, watch the first five minutes of the second half, or the first three minutes, excuse me, with Mosley trying to hit, with Golston trying to hit contested jumpers, and then watch Isaiah Mosley do it. it. It's just night and day. And if that's the shot type you're generating, the best guy to score out of that, the most efficient scorer in that setup, the one who's got a longer track record of doing it is Mosley. So the question to me is, how do you, how do you, or do they even consider, you know, kind of slowly interchanging those roles? But that that's sort of a something to monitor, I think, as we go through the backside of a non-con play. Yeah. So <clears throat> Golston uh, is kind of close to what he was doing last year for Milwaukee. And that's not like, what you as want. As far as his, his usage. And we saw that kind of be unsuccessful at Milwaukee. Um, I think, you know, and, and you sort of, sort of hit on it. There is a lot to like about what Golston can bring provided his role. Um, you know, he was, uh, I believe we added this in the preview, but I want to say it was like 36, 38% on catch and shoots. Um, from three, and and that's something that's that that's valuable. Um, if you can reduce the amount of time he's he's sort of having to make plays off the bounce, uh, and you know I, I almost feel like this is kind of getting back to uh to a lot of the same conversations we had with uh you know in in surrounding uh you know Xavier Pinson, but. Like if you're if you're taking his possessions and 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 inserting somebody who's going to provide somebody else possessions, um, I think like that's going to be the key for the offense. Is like you just don't want him taking those shots. You you do want Mosley taking those shots, but also like if if Golston's creating, like that means somebody else is is not taking a shot that possession. And so what kind of, uh you know, what kind of offense are you able to generate? And, you know, I, I think one of the things that we sort of harped on, I think, coming into the season was, okay, so like the first eight seconds are going to be transition, you know, look for quick early looks. Missouri's been very good about that so far this season. Um, You know, like the the next sort of eight to 10 seconds is going to be, you know, running your your base offense and then once if that breaks down then you're looking to sort of hunt for a shot do you want deandre golston hunting for that shot or do you want isaiah mosley hunting for that shot i know my answer 
Well, right. And like, that's one of those questions, like uh, we know the answer. And, and so when you, when you talk about like, okay, I think overall Golston has been starting, um, but only in one game did he play more than 20 minutes. Yeah. Which I, I feel like that's, that's good. Like that's kind of what you want. The question now is, can Um, you get the usage down? Can we start stripping out bad possessions? Like, can those pull-ups be, you know, finding, you know, Kobe Brown on a on a deep punch play in the post? Can it be getting Noah Carter, you know, some pick and pops or some ability for him to kind of play in the mid post? Can it be a kick out to you know Demoy Hodge? Are there are there are there better shot types that are out there? Because this is the one thing that I think people confuse about analytics. They take it as prescriptivist that there are irrefutable gospels that you do not shoot mid-range jumpers i am totally cool if isaiah mosley wants to shoot mid-range jumpers his history tells me that is a great shot for isaiah mosley if he shoots a mid-range jumper conversely history tells me that's not a good shot for deandre golston so we don't want him taking those shots like that's where i'm prescriptivist where i would sit down and say to golston your best shot is you holding the corner and shooting a three and I think guys rightly sort of pick up the connotation of that, which is if you have a guy holding a corner, it's hard to attack from there. You're either a baseline cutter or you're a spot-up guy. You are rarely putting the ball on the deck and attacking from the corner, mostly because you've got help rotating over and you've got the baseline as a, you know extra defender there. It's a boring job to hold the corner, but that may be the best job, you know, if he can get in rhythm and he can get established there. So that's sort of floating out there. The other thing that I think we saw Sunday night too, that's going to become a lingering talking point if it isn't already is, can this team find any sort of way to, you know, not dominate the glass, but at least go into game thinking, okay, we can assume it's going to be a draw because there are stretches where the number 362 team in Kim Palm was beating this team up on the glass. And and it's hard to miss that. And that's with a good rebounder in Kobe Brown. And that's with, you know, Aiden Shaw, who's shown he can be pretty tough on the boards. But it, it, it's been hard to find consistent rebounding so far. So I think that that's going to be the other thing this, this group has to confront as it begins to move into a tougher part of the slate. Yeah, that that is a uh, – <laughs> and that's something that we sort of pres- prescribed earlier uh, in the – before the season in the in the preseason coverage and talking about um you know Missouri's best lineups are likely going to be small um you know like Kobe Brown uh for all of his uh you know his his positives is not a center and neither is neither is Noah Carter like those guys aren't aren't post players um you know like I think that's one of the reasons why Dennis Gates has been, you know, hammering it into Aiden Shaw's head that he has to rebound. If he's not going hard at the glass on every every possession, this team's in trouble. Uh, this team's going to be in trouble. And like, I I think I think Dennis knows that. Um, <clears throat> and I think like you have to be able to gang rebound some. Like like they're just going to have to send as many bodies as they can to the glass. Uh, it's going to cost them outlets um, and transition. Yeah. Like, like some of their transition opportunities. And I know it's like, like, that's like a specialty for Des Moines Hodge and he's really good at that. And, 
and not just him, but um, Chameleon's pretty good at it. Honor's pretty good at it, at leaking out and getting getting behind. It's And I don't really know where the solutions are here. And people are going to say, well, Ronnie DeGray, you know, is one. That guy, re- Ronnie's already getting out-rebounded, you know, by, you know, Aiden Shaw. And Aiden Shaw is more athletic and switchable. And, you know, Kobe. Well, and, and realistically, like, you know, the guy that we've been talking about, Isaiah Mosley, uh, you know, had a 19% defensive rebound rate while at Missouri State. Now, granted, that's in the Valley. Uh, it's a little bit different. Um, he's at 7.4% so far. And so while you can say, okay, like that's in the Valley, that's different. Um, like Missouri hasn't really played anybody that would win Missouri Valley. No. <laughs> like, so, so he needs to be a better rebounder. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, I think there are guys that they can get to, to rebound better. I do think that Noah Carter needs to rebound better. Um, you know, like Carter, I think is a guy who he's down uh, a little bit from where he was in Northern Iowa. Yeah. You know, and, and he, he's, he's clearly like not a super athletic guy, but he's a guy who knows how to use his body and, and knows how to like shield defenders and and all that kind of stuff. So you just got to apply that to glass. And, And the question that I have too, is how much of, how much of the dip and I can't do the math, you know, easily to prove it. How much of the dip is a byproduct of this team consciously saying we want to get out and push. So we want to get our, our runners out wide early. We're going to have, we're going to let guys leak. So we're going to, we're willing to live with a two to three percentage point hit in defensive rebound rate. Cause it's going to let us get out and attack early and get early clock offense. Like is this simply a solution as you alluded to where Dennis says, all right, you two, you other two bodies like Des Moines, you can continue to leak out. But Isaiah, we need you to get to the glass and, you know, we need, you know, we need you to go in there and gang and help us on the board a little bit. Is that one solution there is, you know, Dennis is willing to give up, you know, three to four early clock transition opportunities per game to, in order to get the rebound numbers back where they need to be. Maybe that's just the solution in and of itself, at least early on throughout the rest of non-con is just. You know, we're going to trade out some some early clock and secondary break chances in order to keep the rebound margin pretty pretty balanced. Well, yeah, because I mean, at this point, they've been able to uh, basically have more possessions, um, you know, the other team through their defense, forcing turnovers, getting steals. Uh. A lot of those are live yeah, but, ball turnovers because the steal rate's good. Yeah, but you know, there's also part of that where, I mean, if you're getting out rebounded, like, you know, a, a possession is basically like field goal attempts, uh, minus offensive rebounds. Um, you know, so they actually like consider an offensive rebound the continuation of a possession. Um, you know, and so if you're if you're getting lots of offensive rebounds, you're you're going to have somewhat lower possession games and i think like you like a good example might be like you know Conzo martin uh his team at tennessee that made the sweet 16 with like jerome mayman yeah uh jernell stokes like you know those guys are just murderous on the offensive glass and you know they played what a lot of people sort of equated to be like the slowest pace or one of the slower paces in the country 
but part of that was because they were just eating up so many possessions in the glass that 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 the you know the total number of possessions you know was was coming down they actually played at a pretty marginal rate otherwise which is why the average possession um, length number is what you should really look at to me offensively like how quick is your overall offensive possession like they're not total that's that's getting in to the nuance there. The other thing is <laughs> people are going to start suggesting or, and it's already happening. Where's Mo Diara? We have the number one Juco player in the country. Why haven't we seen him? And I feel like I've said this ad nauseum. I wrote basically an entire preview around it. It's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. The JUCO market is one of the hardest things to figure out because it's not a one-to-one correlation at all. And when you really dig into the numbers, you'll find that JUCO bigs, like I'm talking top 10 JUCO prospects who are also bigs, are like topping out at 35 or 40% minutes. We're talking 12 to 15 minutes a game as the average. And if your Juco bigs are playing a lot, it's not good. Like it's, it's, and if just even setting aside usage, anything else, if their minutes are high, it's not good. So in a weird way, it's sort of a good sign that they haven't had to go to Diari yet, you know, for whatever reason. And we can talk about those reasons here, but it's just, I, I think conceptually people need to understand the best case for DR is he's giving this team 14 to 15 minutes a game. Now that is, I would, I am sympathetic to that cause. I would love to see Mo DR get there because I think that kind of mix is really good for this lineup. It would be really good for this rotation. It would let Dennis try some different things. I think, you know, Mo's a good enough kind of stationary passer. I think he could do some good things offensively for them at the elbow. I really think there's possibilities there. The question is, do you trust him defensively? I think that's just what it all comes down to here. Whatever you think, whatever possibilities, whatever you want to talk about room protection, do you trust him in your base defense? And Dennis Gates has shown that he will roll bodies through. If he's not playing Mo Diara, that's a pretty good indicator that the staff does not trust him defensively. And, 
you know, what's the point of putting a guy out there just because he's big if he can't play the base defense, if he's hurting you within the team concept? Just a crazy idea I have, but I'll, I'll cede the floor to you. Well, you know, I think there's actually a lot of, you know, truth to the idea that this team, as it stands right now, like, doesn't have a huge margin for error, particularly on defense because of, you know, their deficiencies on the glass. And so I think what you're, what the question would kind of be is if Modiara would help you enough on the, on the glass to overcome those deficiencies defensively. Does it matter if he can uh, rebound if the initial shot defense is so poor that teams are scoring? <laughs> Well, and I think like that's 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 kind of the thing here is is what we're basically making the assumption here based upon how much he's played is no like like he is not a good enough rebounder, uh, for for it to make a difference with him you know for how 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 porous he's kind of been defensively and in space and and not to say like like nothing no, nothing that we're talking about now is fixed like. You know, they're, they're working with him. They're, yeah, they're developing him. This is all part of the process of of working with a guy who is still you know relatively new to the game of basketball and uh, you know a talented athlete and um, you know he's he's got some skill offensively. He's a guy that I think can help them long term. Um, but you know if you you sort of watch him defensively, like once the he's not guarding. The guy right in front of him, like he he's he's out of sorts, and uh, and I I think you know, kind of getting back to that point of like, if if he's out of position, he's gonna have a hard time rebounding, and so I just don't like I think the size helps with some of those things, and his length helps with some of the things, but it's at this point not enough to overcome, and you're still better off playing smaller with like you know Kobe or Noah, um. You know, or Aiden Shaw. Um, yeah, I just think like Aiden Shaw. I'm so happy he's getting getting the run that he's getting, and he's he's kind of you know bought into you know the role that he's kind of been given on this team. Because um, like I, I, you know, he's got a chance to, he's got a chance to, be to really, really kind of really save good. save this team a little bit on the glass because it's 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 get it's gotten brutal. This is the other thing. If you watch how this team defends, it switches everywhere. Like, this is not going to be a situation where they selectively switch and they just keep Diara anchored around the restricted area. He's going to be in space. You're going to pull him out away from the rim. Like, that's that's just how this is going to work. So now you've got to ask, can our guy go get a rebound and track and go get it? That's that's what you got to do. you got to ask, can our guy go get an out-of-area rebound? Which is different than can he, you know, hit a dude, be, making a beeline to the rim? It's just a different type of rebounding there. So that I think that's something else to keep in mind. But I bring up the DR thing because I think on Wednesday night things could get a little tricky. Could get a little tricky. Coastal Carolina's got all of one game against a D one team. It's the number three hundred team in USC Upstate, but they've got some size on that roster. They've got a guy who I think is going to probably be an all Sunbelt level dude 
and Issa Mustafa, an Egyptian uh, national who averaged nine rebounds per game, has an insane rebound rate, is a legit big, wants to play inside. They've got another 6'9 guy, Wilfred Lakier, who's another, uh, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but averaged 5.8 rebounds per game, good rebound rate, another 6'9 guy. Not a big offensive factor for them, but they can go 6'9, 6'9 with two legit rebounders. This is a team that's struggling offensively. Um, They're struggling a little bit with turnovers, but they've got guys who can get on the glass. And Cliff Ellis is a guy who wants to play fast, wants to press, but if they drop into the half court, they're going to throw junk defenses. They're going to throw a 1-3-1 extended zone at you. They're going to play box in one. They might try a triangle in two. That's what Cliff Ellis does. And if anything, and why I mentioned the scout and why I admired George Ivory was, that guy was great for about 25 minutes of knowing when to switch between the 1-3-1, the 2-3, and the 3-2. And it gave Missouri some fits. Missouri averaged less than 0.6 points per possession in the half court facing zone on Sunday night. So, Coastal Carolina, I'm not saying they're world beaters, but they've got some guys who can rebound. They've got some guys who want to play a little bit faster, and they have a coach who loves to master weird junk looks that don't let you run your base stuff in the half court. That doesn't sound like fun for what we've seen from this team. So that's, I think that's just something to keep in mind as, as we go into Wednesday night. So Cliff Ellis was the former uh, Auburn uh, basketball coach, head basketball coach uh, years ago. If anybody remembers Chris Porter and his fantastic Afro uh, being featured on uh, Sports Illustrated uh, on the cover, I want to say, what was that? 2000? 99 maybe i think it was 01 but i can't remember but the fellas has been uh in uh at coastal for 16 years now so yeah it was 98 99 they were uh they were a a one seed there were reasons they were one seed (laughs) (laughs) that that, that Uh, led to cliff uh no longer being employed on the plane so um, yeah, um, they cheating. Um, but like, and I, I know we've kind of had conversations like this privately. Like, so uh, he gets fired from Auburn in two thousand and four. Um, takes a Coastal Carolina job in two thousand eight, and he's been there ever since. Talk about the kind of like job you want to land at and just be there for like the rest of your time. Uh, you're like. Like as an old white dude who, who I'm just taking a guess here, Cliff probably doesn't mind a round of golf here and again. Like you're a quick little jaunt down to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> like that doesn't sound like such a bad way to kind of spend uh, your your twilight years as a college basketball coach. Um, your Hilton Head, the, jump down the town of Savannah. Uh, yeah, what was it? Conway, yeah, Conway, Conway, South Carolina. Uh, just just down the road from Myrtle Beach doesn't sound too bad. No, no. And- uh, but yeah, like this this is a team that that uh, you know, like the transfer portal is one of those things that just you know it hurts a lot of teams. But they especially like absolutely got killed. Uh, Coastal Carolina was really a team that was looking at possibly kind of being a breakout team the in the uh, Sun Belt in the Sun Belt. Um, were they in the NIT or they the were in CIT? the CIT last year and got to the final? 
Uh, Rudy Williams. Um, Bye. Went to BYU. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Um, he traded. He traded Myrtle Beach for Provo. That's a decision. Rudy Williams, Kansas State, Coastal Carolina to BYU. Um, uh, Ibrima Dima uh, spent four years at Coastal Carolina. He has South he Carolina. played at South Carolina yet? I have. I haven't been box score tracking the Gamecocks that he transferred there, but it doesn't look like he has a a box uh, appearance yet. Um, but a good like defensive wing. Um, there's one other guy that they lost. Was it Vince Cole? Maybe decided to go pro or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, pretty much all their production except for uh, Mustafa uh, and uh, Leaky. Yeah, all of left for the portal. So they're they're a little bit of a remade team. It's a little bit of a mystery. Uh, they did lose. Um, on the road to USC Upstate, that's actually pretty bold uh, scheduling um, for for Coastal there. Uh, go on the road to a a uh, team that's probably going to finish up sub three hundred. Uh, not a great way to try to you know build up your non conference resume, but you know two Division two wins to start off the year. Um, we don't have a lot of information on kind of like what this team is and and what they're going to be. Uh, this is a game I. Like Missouri should win. Uh, it's probably going to be cl- a little too close for comfort, you know. At least based on <laughs> Mizzou uh, or Rocket Nation's mentions on Twitter the other night, um, you know, people were getting frustrated, you know, when Mizzou was up like twelve points. Um, it's probably going to be something like that uh, against Coastal on Wednesday. Yeah, they've. I mean they, they were waiting on Antonio Day Jr., a name that you and I are familiar with oh. from the from the great roster overhaul oh. of 2021 <laughs> who man that guy I'm glad they didn't take that guy just as his synergy profile Where did he ma- go Florida International or something He was like at that? Florida International and went to Fordham played 14 games and left for personal reasons last January making him a mid-season transfer which means he's not eligible until um December 14th but he averaged nearly 17 points a game for a really bad Fordham team during non-con. Uh, he's from the but North. Matt, he had Missouri in his top three. Sure, sure. Um, but Day is going to not probably be there till Sunbelt play or close to it. They've been, they've at least in the last couple of years been playing the game with an Eastern Illinois transfer who averaged 6.3 points per game at Eastern Illinois. Uh, Jamaru Brown is a combo guard that got 12.3 points per game last year at EKU. Um, they've got a returner, a sophomore, uh, in Josh Jew, who is a you know a six five wing, you know, going to be kind of low usage. And they got the bigs we talked about. They've given some time to Jimmy Nichols, who transferred from Virginia Commonwealth. Linton Brown, a guy who had a like a medical condition that was diagnosed, like a heart condition diagnosed at Saint Bonaventure was medically ruled out there, but it had been a JUCO All-American. He's looking to reboot it here. This roster is just completely remade. It It's just, we, you know, it's a scaled-down version of what we're seeing from Dennis Gates, you know, in Columbia, without the proven kind of commodities here. You know, I I think there could be some issues that Missouri encounters. 
you know, that could make things like you were saying a little too close for comfort. But at the end of the day, you expect them to win this game. Conversely, though, Saturday's game against Houston Christian, uh, which decided to give up its it decided to give up its straight denomination of Baptist. It's more welcoming. It's it's your community church now. <laughs> it's not we welcome all 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 Christians here. Um it for one, they, they had a tragic loss in the offseason. Darius Lee, probably the Southland's preseason player of the year, was um back home in Brooklyn. Uh wasn't involved in the incident, was just out in public and a stray bullet uh struck him. It killed him. It's senseless death. And it's absolutely, you know, not the at all. Basketball doesn't matter at all. But it it costs this team nineteen points per game score. Guy who averaged eight rebounds a game was a guy who kind of played the two, three, and four. And they're trying to piece it together. They've got a guy, Bryson Long, who can shoot it a little bit. Sam Hoffman's like a six six, two hundred and sixty pound like interior tackle playing at the four. And then they're trying to piece it together with some transfers. Now they got a main transfer who was supposed to kind of be a third score for them. He's got a 63.40 rating. They got shellacked by 50 at Texas. They've they haven't beaten any Division One teams yet. You know this is. Did you uh did you by any chance watch uh last year um the four overtime game? Yeah. That they had against McNeese state. Like I ended up tuning in. For, I want to say for like the last three overtime. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was just one of those games where it like, like it was, it was bonkers and it just kept going <laughs> to overtime. Nobody, uh, but, but you know, Darius Lee, uh, had 50 in know, that game re- or something. Rest in peace. He had 52 points, shot 27 free throws, 27, Two pointers. He was zero for three from three point range. Uh, had a one twenty seven offensive rating. Played fifty four <laughs> minutes. The final score. Uh, Houston at the time Baptist beat McNeese State one forty nine to one forty four. Uh, I did watch like uh, you know I I, I kind of wish I had watched maybe like the entire second half, but like the the last three overtimes were wildly entertaining because guys were fouling out left and right. And they were like literally pulling in walk-ons. Yeah, it and was... walk-ons were in the game. The other game. It it looked like there was like like two dudes on each team who were clearly the varsity players, and they were playing uh you know, against like some JV and freshman dudes. You're just like, oh man, this is hilarious. Uh, but yeah. So this is a team that, and I say it could get ugly because there's not any real proven like cornerstone offensive piece. This team wants to play really fast, which Missouri wants to play really fast, but Houston Christian, HCU, has the third worst two-point defense in the country. They are 339th in turnover rate and 322nd steal rate, and they are smaller than Missouri and can't rebound. Ooh. Look. They gave up 90 points to Western Michigan. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe... Bryson Long and some and this Max Klanzik catch a catch a heater and make us look embarrassing. But just the play style alone here is just not what <laughs> it's not conducive to this thing being close. So 
I could see Coastal Carolina giving Missouri some fits, but if Houston Christian plays the way they want to play, um, we might see Mabor, Majak, and Modiar because the margin might be wide enough that garbage times arrived early and you can put them on the floor. So it's, I don't know how much we're going to really draw off out of this week, but the Coastal Carolina game is one I'm probably more inclined to see just because I think there's, <laughs> there might be some stylistic wrinkles in that one. I'm, I'm skeptical that that will be the case on, on Saturday. They did beat champion Christian 119 to 97 as their, their lone victory on the year. A, uh, uh, non-division one team. What what are your bets on champion Christian being an NCAA, NCAA team? I, I don't even know if they're, they are an NCAA tournament team. Are they an NIA school? I don't, I'm not going to look up champion Christian. I'm not going to do I'm it. looking them up right now. Um, well, good for well, you. So I'm not duplicating your work. Hot Springs, Arkansas. Hot Springs, Arkansas. I would not have guessed that. They got, it's got to be new. It's got to be new. I hadn't heard of it when I, I I worked in little rock and I had never heard of champion Christian. Oh, it's the college's athletic program is known as the champion Christian tigers and fields, men's and women's basketball and volleyball teams as an independent member of the association of Christian college athletics. Who? Who? <laughs> so well, they can't qualify for any NCAA that is, tournaments. That, so. Yeah, that is not that is not uh, NCAA. That is not NAIA. I would have guessed NAIA, but uh, turns out it's the ACCA, which honestly, like I was, did not know existed. I might go um, into Synergy and see if they even dump possession data in, just because I'm that kind oh. of sicko. Oh. Baptist Bible College from Springfield, Missouri, is uh, an ACCA school. Um, I, the only reason I know Baptist Bible College is uh, because my junior college uh, coach, um, Coach Tim Gray, used to joke in practice. Well, I mean joke, but he would. He this was like one of his threats if we were were playing poorly that he was going to ship us off to Baptist Bible College, and that's where we were we were going to spend the rest of our playing days. <laughs> So now, folks, you've now learned about independent <laughs> Christian college association basketball. This is why you come to if us. If we have any listeners left, <laughs> this is this is where we are. But look, we're getting close to a real quality opponent soon. Wichita State. Wichita, Wichita State's gotten a couple good wins. They've bounced back from the Alcorn loss. Um, they've beaten uh, Richmond. They've beaten. Uh, they beat Grand Canyon today, a good whack team, and they're going to get a shot at uh, the San Francisco uh, Dons tomorrow in the Hall of Fame Classic. So they'll have a couple teams where they've played that are between like 90 and 100. Uh, so that'll be a good test. That's a road game. They struggle to score the ball, but they can defend. They can guard. Um, Isaac Brown's kept that much around because Arkansas has taken all those guys who can score the basketball. That's They have a... An effective field goal defense of thirty nine point four. I watched them; they can guard their asses off today. That that, and the roundhouse is going to be jacked up for that one because they weren't there a couple of years ago. So it, that's that's the one we're pointing to here. Um, I think I said on the you know before we started recording, we've started to kind of see 
the general plot that this team, you know, is going to, you know, kind of re replay in various forms each game. I'm eager for Wichita State to see if the issues we've discussed here, you know, are, are you know, just how big of a weakness is, how big of a weakness those might be for this team. Because at this point, you know, weird stuff has happened through the early part of the season, but if projections hold, this team's going to get through, you know, its first seven games in much the same manner we thought. They're going to be a little leakier than we thought defensively. Um, but everywhere else, they're probably going to conform to what we thought. But that Wichita State game is probably the first real test where we're going to see, you know, kind of a, what I would consider a coin flip game. And can they, you know, put a quad two win at a minimum on the on the, on the resume? So uh, we'll get through this week and hopefully uh, we'll start seeing uh, more um, more meaningful games uh, coming up a week from now. Correct. Um, St. Louis Christian College is also an ACC. My school. God, my God! I'm trying to tee you up to get out of here, and you just keep, uh, you should just keep going <laughs> deeper. Thirteen sixty Grandview Drive. Uh, I like. I know where that is. Like, I know where Grandview Drive is. Uh, it's right up the road for me. Um, well, good. You can oh, go wow. catch a game okay. sometime. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can. Uh, I you know, uh, Cornell Mann's coming into town. They're playing tomorrow at Umsel. Go say hi. I work. I work tomorrow. I, 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 you know, so I think they play Umsel tomorrow, and then they play Maryville on Wednesday. If I get off in time, I might go see if I can catch some of the Maryville games. Why wouldn't you want to go, go see? Go, bon see, go see what Co Coach Corn's up to. And Bob Zunvold's Tritons. Why wouldn't you? Well, and you know, uh, got the guy that I coached with, um. At 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 Webster Groves High School, Scott Gauthier is on staff. Uh, an assistant assistant coach there. So big old reunion, G, uh, and they're they're doing really well, man. Like like Sumbold's, so he's kind of got he's got Umsel in a better place, and it's been in a lot of years. So that's that's going really well. Um, at, as usual, Matt, you and I get sidetracked and talking about weird basketball stuff. Uh, hopefully, anybody uh, still out there is 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 kind of hanging around and and you can hear me say the following with that all being said i want to th say thank you for turning in uh make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast uh if you are subscribed to the podcast feed wherever you download and listen to your podcast whether it's apple podcast or the google play store uh you can also find us on spotify uh, if you are subscribed, you'll get episodes of Before the Box Score. Uh, those guys are kind of killing it lately. Uh, talking about all the uh, the Brady Cook, Sam Horn stuff. All that stuff gets beamed directly into your phone if you're subscribed. So so all the better. Um, head over to the flagship rockandmation.com. We have all your football, basketball coverage. Uh, we've got women's basketball coverage. We've got wrestling coverage. Everything is being covered, Matt. We're 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 doing we're doing good things. Um, but that all being said, uh, make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at MattJHarris85. Uh, you can follow me at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, send us tweets. Tell us what you think. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about these wonderful matchups of Baptist Bible College and St. Louis Christian College. Um, not really. It's going to be uh, going to be Coastal Carolina and Houston Christian. 
but we'll be back next week to talk all about it. Uh, until then, thanks for tuning in, and have a great turkey day, everybody. Gobble, gobble.